Hi, this is Danielle from the Gels Curator, and this is episode 125 of Art for Your Ear. This episode is supported by Saatchi Art, the world's largest curated online gallery offering original art by independent artists from around the world. Pop over to saatchiart.com to see their beautiful lineup of both originals and prints. And this week is also supported by the beautiful and art field Create Magazine. If you don't know it, you should. Create is an independent contemporary art magazine highlighting the work of artists, makers, creative entrepreneurs. They promote fresh, unique art from all around the world, and they are always taking submissions through open calls to both their print issues and their daily blog. Oh, and P.S., I am actually curating the next print issue, and the deadline is fast approaching. Get your work in for me to see by February 28th, 2018. You can visit them at Create dash magazine.com for more info. Now on to today's episode. I am talking to the amazingly talented Cornwall based painter Pippa Young. I love her work. I've written about her several times and just found out that she was also taught by one of my recent guests, Lisa Wright. Oh Cornwall, filled to the broom with amazing artists. So without further ado, let's call Pippa in that art filled corner of the world. Hi, Pippa. Hi, Danielle. I, well, you know, I love your work so, so much. Thank you. I've written about you a few times. <laughs> now. Yeah, I, I noticed. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> and now with worlds colliding, um, you're on the podcast. I know. <laughs> Very scary. Uh, <laughs> um, we're going to get into this, but you know Lisa Wright, who I just had on. I do. I do know her. She was my teacher at uni. <laughs> That's so great. And so do you know Charlotte Keats too? Yep. She was a, I, she was a contemporary of mine. I was the year ahead of her, but okay. she was a full-time student and I was a part-time student. Okay. So. That is so, so crazy. And so do you still live in Cornwall now? I do. Okay. Yes. I have got to come there because it appears that it is a giant hub of amazing people. Oh, uh, it's, I think there are more artists in West Cornwall than you can shake a stick at. <laughs> so it's, it's populated solely by artists, I think. It's so great. I know. Every time I hear it, it's like Cornwall, Cornwall. And then, um, <laughs> so I was Googling pictures and my gosh, it looks absolutely stunning. Well, we love it. Yeah. I used to live yeah. in London years ago, but, um, we moved down here when my children were younger and I, uh, I, I don't want to go back. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you'll stay in Cornwall? Well, I think we will for the time being. Yes, yes. Yeah. Although my, uh, you know, kind of, we're, we're actually building a house to live in in Cornwall. So yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. There's there's some concrete commitment. <laughs> Absolutely, definitely concrete. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, I have so many questions about your work because they're beautiful and strange and clearly filled with narrative and all sorts of things. So I want to figure out how and why you got to doing those. So I always start out by saying. What were you like as a kid? Were you an artsy kid? Well, um, I was thinking about this and, you know, I, 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 like any kid, I did a lot of cutting and sticking and, and glitter and macaroni type of things. <laughs> and um, I, but I, I, I didn't, I wasn't concentrating on, on fine art or kind of that sort of thing. But I just, I think I always made stuff. So I came to fine art you know, relatively late, actually, in my journey, but um, I've always done something visual. Yeah. And so <laughs> did you did you go to university? You didn't go for art initially. Uh, well, when I when I uh, grew up, um, 
weirdly, I was actually wanting to be an engineer until I was about 16. I was, uh, I decided I wanted to work in television. I wanted to be a sound engineer. But then, um, and I hadn't had any arts education until around about that point. And then when I got to A-level stage, I suddenly started doing A-level art. And uh, I didn't quite realise it at the time, but it was a kind of totally pivotal moment. So I actually completely shifted. And oh. uh, from then on in, it was it was art all the way. And I only went into science in the first place because my father was um, a structural engineer. So it was kind of that influence, really. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. And so did you study that at school at all or did you just go right to art? Um, I uh, Well, I studied art A-level, which is like the what you do at 16 to 18 in England. Yeah. And then after that, I went to a foundation year in art and design um, in Brighton, which was oh. where I lived at the time. Um, and uh, I did get, uh, uh, and then uh, at, the, at the time I was studying graphic design, actually, um, oh. and I wanted to be a graphic designer. And I got a place at Goldsmiths in London uh, uh, to study at a degree level. Um, but, and yeah, I have to confess, this was quite a long time ago, and the kind of the art system, the art education system has changed a lot. But at the time, you didn't necessarily get a grant to go and live a, a sort of financial support to go and do a course mm. away from your home area and I couldn't get a grant to do it so I flounced out oh <laughs> so I had to I went and did a, a, a totally other things for quite a few years um so I yeah then I went to I, I kind of I kicked around for a bit and then I decided that I really did want to be a graphic designer after all at the time um, and uh, I kind of just picked up my portfolio and touted it around uh, commercial studios in London mm. and managed to get got myself a job um, wow. and then, <laughs> so it's kind of quite a long route to uh, fine art I have to say yeah well and then so what point okay so this was in London so yep. you're working away in London and then yep. did you get married and have your children there uh yes I well I I kind of I I sort of worked I, st I worked in London as a sort of studio junior learning the craft as it were and then after a while I went freelance and then after a while um I got more work than I could handle on my own so I set up my own graphic design business and then that sort of grew and eventually I met my husband now husband but at the time he was a client actually <laughs> <laughs> and um and we got together and then after a while we decided that um uh we wanted to have children but I didn't feel that I could run the business and do the children on my own so he joined the business so we were both running the business at that point and then after uh, after having children I realized that it was really difficult to do graphic design and bring up children um so I kind of sort of kind of handed it over to my husband at the time um but then sort of six months at home with the children and I realized oh, I can't do this full time it's you know <laughs> so then I started illustrating children's books wow <laughs> so uh, that was sort of just like a hobby to begin with and then I I got uh, a few published and uh, I sort of illustrated for kind of book publishers for a while uh and then after that I um I got I got to the point where I thought if I have to draw a cute duck or a cute bunny again <laughs> I'm going to go insane um and at that point my children were sort of beginning to be a little bit more independent and so 
I really quite impulsively um, applied to do fine art as a mature student. Um, and I forgot to leave a, I forgot to mention the bit in the middle where we moved from London to Cornwall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my so were you when you were doing the illustrations, were you in Cornwall? Already? Uh, started in London. I did a little bit in Cornwall, but then after a while it, it became you know, I kind of decided that wasn't what I wanted to do after all. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And so the whole time that you were running the graphic design business, were you doing any of your own artwork on the side or no? Uh, well, not really, because I think I was, it was full on. Yeah. It was full on. It was really busy. And so you're doing long hours and there really wasn't very much time after, after work and after you put the children to bed. So. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I was a graphic designer for 18 years yes. and same thing. It is so full on and you're so, I mean, you put your creative effort into it. So you come home and you're just like, yes. oh my God, the last thing you want to do is crack open paints or anything. You're just sort of done. But yeah, I think also it's um it's a different way of approaching and it, it's a creative thing, but it's a different way of approaching creativity because as a graphic designer, I think you you're there solving other people's problems. Yeah. Um but as a fine artist you're asking questions mm -hmm. and uh and I think it's quite difficult to make that mental shift. <laughs> yeah, it is. I totally agree. I, I you know, all the inner critic stuff that people talk about and I said, you know, I never had that as a designer because those were briefs yes. from other people, you know, like yeah. I would be a chameleon and I would do what they needed to be done. And, you know, I would fit their brands and their looks and, you know, what do that stuff. And then you get to a blank canvas that's all your own. And it's a very I, different, you know, where's the brief? And these are, you know, I always thought like the artwork that you make for your personal work would not exist in the world if you did not exist in the world. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're you know, right. So and it adds this extra thing because, you know, otherwise an, another designer would pick up that work and they would do it. And so um, it is a really personal, it's a big shift. So when you went to go and study fine art, did you, were you super excited and ready for that shift or did it take a minute? It, um, I really, I kind of struggled quite a lot to begin with because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't know... Um, I didn't know what my voice was, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so kind of, uh, it's interesting that you talk so much about um, self-doubt and inner critic. Well, God, my inner critic was absolutely rampant at the <laughs> <Yeah>. time. So, <laughs> um, and I, I kind of, um, I started off at, at um, university, I kind of ditched everything that I'd learnt as a designer because I thought, oh, that's irrelevant. That's nothing to do with fine art. And, um, and then I struggled. And I tried to be like everybody else and do splashy and expressive kind of abstract work. <laughs> and then it was like, gradually, I sort of suddenly realized that actually, no, some of the things I learned as a designer, you know, you can fold those into your practice and they're, um, they can be useful, you know, composition and color and, and you know, that sort of thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's you know it's a kind of big part of fine art absolutely so, and at the beginning of it I didn't know about your graphic design history and as soon as at the beginning of this you said graphic design I was like oh <laughs> <laughs> suddenly your work makes so much sense like you know your negative space and your fields of color and pattern <laughs> in the background and your compositions and it's like okay now it's all now it's all coming clear uh, and so when you started did you think you were going to do painting or did you sort of try everything to try and find your spot? Um, 
I think because I'd spent so long in design in front of a screen, uh, you know, digital, in the digital world, really, I kind of was, I was really keen to engage with, you know, kind of real materials. So mm-hmm. drawing and painting was definitely the sort of thing I I I was aiming for but I mean I did try sculpture or but, but I, I, three dimensions I just don't know they do, I can't yeah. get myself into three dimensions um and I did try some sort of, of the digital stuff but it felt a little bit too much like work yeah <laughs> and not fun <laughs> yeah and so while you were there okay so Lisa Wright was one of your teachers oh yeah she was uh she was really influential really she was great she was a she was a fantastic teacher <laughs> and so what did you have her for painting um well she was uh she was uh, my tutor for a while oh, and wow. um and and yes she I mean the way I did I worked as a I went to university as a part-time mature student so I did it over five years rather than the normal three years um and so we weren't there all the time uh in on the premises so we had sort of special sessions um, and we used to do kind of working on a large canvas or kind of painting as if you were a Renaissance painter or that sort of thing. Mm, yeah. um, but it was more about sort of kind of group crits and um, kind of one-to-one tutorials, really. So wow. um, that yeah, sounds it was fantastic. just fantastic opportunity to have one-to-ones with Lisa, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. She's so lovely. Just I just had her on the podcast. Yeah, that's what. Well, that's what Charlotte said because I'd interviewed Charlotte Keats on the podcast, and then um, shortly after that, I'd written about Lisa, and she was just like, Charlotte messaged and said, "She was my teacher." She's like, "You have to have her on," and then she came on, and she was lovely, and then figured out that you had studied with her too, and it's just like, "Oh my gosh, okay, Cornwall girls, let's just do this thing." Um, And so, can I ask you how how did you feel being a mature student? Did you did that make you feel uncomfortable? Or were there other mature students that kind of like you could band together, or how did you feel? Um, yeah, there were we. There was a group of mature students. Most of the part-time um, students were the more mature students. But um, weirdly, I did think it was going to be an issue my age. But um, I, weirdly, when I I just felt equal to everybody, and nobody seemed to. There were one or two people who kind of looked at me. As in a sort of scared fashion when I walked into the room because they probably thought I was a tutor or something. <laughs> but, but most of the and like Charlotte is very much younger than me. But um, you know, we it just felt like you were on equal terms with everybody. Mm, so that's so good. Great. Yeah. yeah. I always think you know because I went to I did my BFA right out of school, right out of high school, and uh-huh. um, there was a cup. There was two women that were mature students, and um, they were so into it. Obviously, because, right, like they had, they had lived, you know, a chunk of their life and, you know, they were there for a purpose where, you know, when you're 18, 19, like, it's a bit floundery, like you're not exactly sure who you are and, but these women showed up and knew who they were and knew why they were there and I always thought, like, a lot of people signed up and did their masters right after and I thought, if I ever do my masters, I'm coming back like these guys, like I'd rather come back in my late 40s and do it, you know, when I had a point to express (laughs) you're so right I kind of um if I had if I had gone to um gone straight out of school I would have been absolutely hopeless I I didn't know who I was at the time so I went going back later it was just so much better I kind of like hit the ground running and I was just you know I knew what I wanted to do you know in other words just learn but yeah 
No, but you're you're so open to it, and ego yes. gets a little bit dropped and stuff like that. And, yes. Um, you know, it's so funny though because that you did your A levels in art, and you were obviously mm-hmm. interested in it. Um, and then to do graphic design, like hindsight's twenty twenty, of course. But to do to choose graphic design, and then you look at the work that you're doing now, it's of course all fed into each other. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. so interesting that, like, you obviously still had that tendency in you. Uh, I think it's why I did graphic design, too, right? You know, that's the way that I make art is very graphic and very flat and very negative space and all these things. Yes. And I think it's just kind of in you, and it's so cool that it has now surfaced in the way that you're working now. Yeah, so I think I kind of... Um, uh it was just I'm I'm kind of a bit OCD, and I think that you can need to be a bit OCD when when you're in graphics because you've got to check everything. Right. And that's just come that's just come into into my work now. Yes. And in fact, somebody said to me the other day, well, a while ago, he said, "Oh yeah, your paintings would be great book covers because you've left a lovely space at the top for the title." <laughs> yes, that's exactly why I've attention. done that. Yeah. <laughs> well, so that I had a. Um, my first really amazing creative director said to me, um, I had designed something and she was reviewing it and she was standing behind me and she's like, can you just move that one element over two pixels? And I thought, oh, good Lord. Like, and I moved it over two pixels and it was so much better. Oh, really? Yeah, and I just remember thinking, oh, because I'd come out of fine art, you know, yeah. and so where things could be looser and whatever. And I went to a really conceptual school, so, you know, anything kind of goes. And then to have this moment say, move it over two pixels, and to see the difference completely changed the way I was a designer. It completely changed the way I am as, as an artist. And so whether you realize it or not, that stuff informs, like, that stuff gets planted in your brain. Oh, it definitely, definitely does, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so when did you start doing the work that you're doing now did that happen at the end of school or middle or not until you were done um I think it kind of started in the kind of the final stages it was when I started doing my dissertation um it it all seemed to come together I kind of um I'd really really been around the houses and uh you know kind of been been in one big circular loop and I sort of came back to where I started, but in a much better place, I knew the sort of things that I wanted to say. Um, and having, you know, a lot of people used to sort of um, be intimidated by doing the dissertation and all the writing and all the research. But to be honest, I loved that because that really, I sort of, oh, now I get it. Now yeah. I see why they're doing that. It helps you and distill that, things. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, it was quite, cause it was quite late in the day. So it was, really the work that I showed at my degree show and the work that I'd done in the sort of last six months was was you know where getting towards where I am now yeah the beginning of it and so um because I've written about a bunch of different things that you've done so the interventions that you've done on the vintage did that did that come after you'd already been painting um it yeah weirdly it did actually that that came about from um 
sorry, I didn't know. Do you want to say something about them? Or, no, well, um, no, I just want an excuse to put them in the post. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but because because they're um, photographic and the faces are so beautiful and then you've added the flat, you know, like the pattern or the hats or whatever, I thought, yeah. I was just so curious if it was like the chicken and the egg. I was like, I wonder if she started playing with those and thought, aha, I'll paint those. Or if you'd already been painting those and then came across the vintage photo and added your signature touch. Yeah, it was more the second way around, but it was, um, uh, they actually, they're not um, randomly found images. They are, they are actually family photographs. And I had oh. a, I had an elderly re relative who, who sadly died and um, we were clearing out her house and she had lived in the, in the same house that she was born in for wow. like 85 years and she'd kept everything and these were sort of almost like family archive photographs. And there were hundreds of them. Uh, and I couldn't bear to throw them away. I and mean, she'd probably be horrified at what I'd done to them. But um, <laughs> but it just, and it, it came about, they were just sitting there. And I think I, you know, I was just looking through them. And it was at the end, at that time, sort of in between ending a, a show and starting a new body of work. And it was just, I'm just going to see what happens with these and and I just had fun really yeah um, you can tell uh, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I really enjoyed it it was just like it doesn't really matter what I do with these I can just do anything and um it was how, great how many did you do um quite a few um I, I can't remember but you know 50 100 yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh that's crazy they're they're really beautiful I love I'm so glad I asked you because I just thought they were found I didn't realize they were well, they were yeah. found in your family archive. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to do some more like that, actually. <laughs> yeah, they're really, they're very. Um, I don't know. I think I find all of your work kind of gives me a chill. Like there's some <laughs> weird little ghostly something going on. Um, okay, so let's reverse. Um, so your portraits are insanely beautiful, um, and it, which blows my mind that you haven't been painting for a really, really, really long time. Um, and so. And I know you don't consider them portraits, so let's talk about that. Okay. Um, yeah, I uh, I suppose you know a lot of people do see them as portraits, but um, I think the difference is that I'm, I'm not really interested in capturing a likeness. It's it's not that I'm trying to capture a, a, the likeness of a, a specific person. Um, it's more I'm trying to say something or communicate something about I think just being human um, and and the figure is just like a way somehow putting a figure and a face in there is is it's like a way to talk directly to the mm. person who's looking at the painting um, but you know I really it, it's not of a single person it's more like a, a metaphor for something more universal hopefully mm -hmm, mm -hmm. did that come from talking with Lisa um that uh, I it, I mean it probably did I can't remember a specific conversation but you know these these things sort of little snippets of uh words stay in your mind yeah. and then they sort of resurface subliminally kind of years later and you think oh yeah that yeah. was that idea came from that point but you don't really realize it at the time yeah again just another seed that got planted somewhere yes. along the yeah. way and so um the combination of, you know, the really detailed and um, realistic mixed with your, you know, flat patterns or the little, the bonnets and stuff, what, what's yep. going on there? Um, I think, well, uh, it came out 
the whole kind of process that I ended up doing came out of a collage process at the very beginning. That's what I was doing in the middle of my kind of university career. It's kind of, I started off by just, you know, putting random fragments of images randomly together to see what happened and then painting them. And then it gradually came about as sort of fragmenting the the single image with a kind of variety of visual languages, really. And it's kind of, you read those different visual languages in different ways and they have different meanings. And I'm hoping that those, the different languages will make connections in the kind of the viewer's mind. May mm. not be the same connections as as were in my mind, but, you know, that doesn't really matter. It's, it's yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that I totally know what you mean. I I've told this story before, but I I said that one time in a crit in during my BFA was that somebody said, you know, I put my painting up and they said, "Well, what does it mean?" And so I made them go around in the circle. There's 24 people in my class and I made them each say what they thought it meant. Yeah. And um they said, "So who's right?" And I said, "Well, you're all right because you know, you're all going to interpret it differently and whatever." And I got to see <laughs> Really? Yeah, because the teacher was like, you should have your own opinion, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I do, but I'm just trying to make a point. Anyway, that did not fly. <laughs> I'm, I'm really disappointed to hear that. Me I too. Think that's, that's great. <laughs> well, I thought I was quite clever, but no. Anyway, it was a different time. Um, but <laughs> I think that that's so brilliant because, yes, everybody from their past experiences or from whatever, you know, people have different blue means something to them or this means something or you know things remind them of different stuff so it's so cool that yeah you present this visual language and let people interpret yeah well I think also that's the um uh, you know just going back to what you just said um to me it seems art art or fine art paintings they're not there to sort of spell out a specific message they're there as a sort of like a I don't know to me a con contemplative space and you know if you want to spell out a particular message well you do a bit of graphic design or you do take a photograph or something and so to me um I've forgotten what your last question was but to me it's about yeah it's about the (laughs) (laughs) oh I know it was about the combination of things that you've got going on in a piece yeah yeah well you I want I want to sort of put a combination of um different elements which might be kind of slightly disparate or slightly unconnected, but when you put them together, they make a new connection that um, hopefully might be interesting. But, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. when, when did, I, I keep obsessing over your bonnets, but that, that was when I first found your work. I just love the combination of, yeah, it feels very collage-ish, actually. Um, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, the hand, do you, have you seen The Handmaid's Tale? Um, I annoyingly I'm, I've missed it on TV and I haven't been able to watch but I have seen I saw one episode but I, I've read the book and yeah. I loved it yeah and, you know and yeah, so that feels very much like that to me in a way but I'm like I, that's probably wrong but it's got that sort of feel and I was just wondering when did the first bonnet go on and why <laughs> oh um, interesting it, it came about really by accident to begin with because um, I use my or I used to use my um then teenage son as a model uh, for the for the boys um and um he just uh, one of the t- one of the times I was taking photographs of him he happened had one of those woolly kind of Nepalese hats on oh yeah um and I just really liked the look at it and what 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 it made me think about was um 
I, I mean, obviously didn't want to paint the pattern on, so I painted it white. And it made me think of those sort of hats that get worn in Renaissance paintings. But, yeah. but it also, it served a really important purpose for me, which was to, um, again, it was, what I try to do with all the figures is to try to kind of um, distill them to kind of the essence of humanness. So I don't like them to be, uh, you know, if I can make them ambiguous in gender, that's great. And I, if I can make them ambiguous in sort of place in time, that's great, because um, I want it to be about being human, not about this particular hairstyle or yeah. that particular fashion. So the hats allow me to, to get rid of hair, which actually does place a figure at a particular point in time, I think. Yeah. Um, so and then it kind of and then it starts acting as a sort of psychological space, this kind of empty white hat. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love how flat they are. Um, yeah. And actually, weirdly, I looked at um, I sort of did a bit of research and kind of it's modeled on um what's called a Phrygian cap, uh, which is like a liberty bonnet, which was worn by or given to emancipated Roman slaves. And um, so it's kind of, it's like a freedom hat. So to me, it's like a, you know, the figure is free to be whatever you want it to be. If you see what I mean. Oh, that gave me chills. <laughs> that, oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So next question. I'm going to skip to this and then go back. Um, those new red lines that that were in the were they just in the last series the through a glass well, they, darkly yeah well they've been developing over the last sort of three years really and um yeah there's a story attached to that actually they came about through um have you read the um donna tart book the goldfinch oh no but i've heard it's amazing well, I, yes, it's it's fantastic. I love it. Um, I mean, I quite like Donna Tartt books. Not everybody does, but I, I love them. Um, but the the picture on the front is a painting called The Goldfinch, um, and it's by it's in um, in The Hague in mm. in the Netherlands. And um, I went to see it uh, at the I think it's the Moritz House. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Um, I went to see it, and um, it's it's a kind of beautiful tiny painting beautiful uh, little bird and it's tethered to its perch by this little sort of chain and I, the thing that I took away from that was this idea of tethering and that theme kind of runs through the Donut Art book as well but the, the, through the narrative um, and so kind of to begin with it just started appearing and it was literally tethering the figure to the edge of the canvas, this red line. Mm. And then gradually it's kind of developed and it sort of, I suppose you kind of, just the, the idea moves along and, and then you actually kind of lose the sense of why you ended, why you started with the idea in the first place. But mm. um, it was, it kind of gradually turned into things like um a ruff round the neck or a yoke or um, stitching or um, a crown of thorns or a sort of cage around the, the body. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of developed. I don't quite know where it's going to go now. It might disappear. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first time I saw them, I I went and found um, a close-up, as close as I could get, and zoomed right in because I was like, is that thread on there? What is going on? And they're actually painted lines. Yes, they are. They are. And it's, it's Hello, graphic a- designer. <laughs> I know. OCD graphic design. <laughs> <OCD graphics laughs> it is quite a laborious process. If I, one of them, I um, 
one of my paintings I did a sort of like a stylized crown of thorns on the the head of the um, figure yeah and it just took forever <laughs> luckily I had I it, it took it was over six months because you have to kind of do a little bit with masking tape paint it let it dry and then do the next bit <laughs> right and does it kind of make you cross-eyed like that's got to be some precise stuff going on um uh, yeah kind of slight slightly mm-hmm. I mean I kind of I use masking tape so I yeah. don't actually paint it <laughs> with like freehand <laughs> right right but still like to go that slowly into yeah but it's kind of nice that you have to stop and let it dry otherwise you would probably go cross-eyed I think so yes. yeah I certainly would I'm not a I'm not a detail gal I always on the computer I certainly am but I don't think I have the I don't have the patience <laughs> well and that's I think that's for that's my thing that I've developed and that's probably because you know my I'm older than I I'm older than I was obviously um (laughs) I hate when that happens yeah I know (laughs) I you know I've I forced myself to because I used to be quite slapdash and I forced myself to be kind of um you know, I kind of say to myself, I suppose it's probably partly my inner critic. So, is that really good enough? Is that really the best you can do? And then if I say, no, I think I could do better, I make myself do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know what? That is a perfect use of an inner critic. <laughs> it really is. You know, like so many of the, the really accomplished, I mean, everyone I talk to, super successful. I mean, they all have an inner critic. But I love when people can use their inner critic for good like that, you know, to to push themselves instead of being like, could it be better? Yes. So I guess I'll just quit and sit on the couch. Like, (laughs) you know, like, that's the bad way. This is the excellent way. Um, And so have you actually, have you ever shown with Lisa? Uh, No, no, she's, she's way ahead of me. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I just think it it would be so interesting. Um, Because, yeah, I, I think... Well, I, I think her work is amazing. I think your work is equally as amazing. Um, what do your kids think? Um, well, my my uh, youngest son says, well, of course, you'd be nothing without me because he's my model. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, um, son. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, yes. No, they, they, they're very engaged um, on the art journey themselves so that's um you know they kind of uh, very supportive <laughs> oh that's very cool because yeah that's a really um such a great transition that you've made and you sound really happy like it sounds like it was the right thing oh absolutely yeah I can't yeah. I, I you know in a way I wished I got here a lot earlier but in a way I'm glad I didn't because I wouldn't have done it in the same way so yeah you wouldn't yeah you, you'd be doing something completely different I bet yeah yeah. Um, okay, so then I, there's another thing that I love. I've got my little list of things I love. Hats, we've covered that. Crazy little tiny red lines. And then there's some sort of trash bag situation that's made its way into the last few series too, and I want I want to know what that's about. Okay, well, that, that, um, that again started kind of way back get by accident and um I was doing some taking some photographs of my son again and he was just because uh, <laughs> you'd be nothing about, without him <laughs> yeah, <I'm, I'm, laughs> uh, um, and he was messing around with cling film and uh he stretched it across his face um don't try that at home folks yeah, that's... <laughs> um, <laughs> um and uh it just looked great um initially I liked the the, the whole plastic thing because it sort of it fragmented the image in a kind of painterly way 
but um, gradually it, it became a kind of metaphor for that sort of secondhand experience of photography so the idea and screen-based activity so the idea that you see things through something else through a filter mm. and um, so I did a lot of uh, a lot a lot of work had the sort of see-through kind of plasticky effect in mm. it and then that just as a process sort of moving an idea forward it I you know it I started using the black plastic so yeah and some people interpret it as some sort of environmental comment but um that's not my original intention but that's actually perfectly valid from my mm, point yeah of <laughs> <laughs> yeah because there's that one with the two girls holding oh, yes at, like a baby a plastic baby yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it kind of it's um what it does for me the plastic it, it stands in for something else and it makes it makes me it makes I hope it makes people look at it and sort of think well what is that about what does that mean and what does that mean to me yeah yep that's you know and it does that exactly because I they're portraits in that they're people but they're so there's such narratives all of your work you know I want to know what the novel behind it is you well know? I suppose yeah, I suppose each each painting though is kind of to me. Each painting is like um, almost like a phrase of a story. Mm. So, like a whole body of work might be a poem or something, and then each kind of painting or piece of work in that body is is like a a phrase. So they are all linked to everything else. I think you gave me chills again. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is beautiful and totally suits your work. Oh, um, wh so what is going on now? Are you in the middle of a new body of work, or are you working towards a show? Well, at the moment, I'm actually I'm actually taking a six month break uh, oh. um, because I I since leaving since graduating, I've like um, I've done a show every year practically, and That's I just so need, much work. Yeah, and it's uh, so I I've. You know, I, I enjoy it, but I kind of get into the point where I just need to sort of create a little bit of space. And you know how kind of ideas, they don't just come to you. You have to be doing other things and, and they kind of gestate in the back of your mind. So I'm I'm allowing things to gestate at the moment mm. and um, um, just kind of just concentrating on looking around me and reading books and kind of doing that kind of background research. Oh, that's nice. When did when did that start? When did you just start your six months or how far well, in? Well, I had I had a show last uh, October. Mm -hmm. um, I said three shows at a Rusha Gallery in um, Edinburgh. For oh, the I love them. Last three years, yeah. Um, and um, so since uh, since then. I've I've just been sounds like I'm not doing anything but I am doing something <laughs> no <laughs> you have to yeah yeah that is so important and uh, I mean I'm sure like what I've you know heard from Cornwall it, like it's so naturally beautiful and I think taking that time to breathe and you know because yeah. otherwise it can become production it almost becomes like graphic design in a way when you're working towards a show and you know you've got x many pieces and um Sometimes it's nice. You gotta, if you're gonna evolve, you have to give yourself that time and space to let your brain Absolutely. relax. Yeah, I I totally agree. It's kind of you, if you just if you just stay on the production line all the time, I think the work gets stale, and I think you just need to um, you need to kind of take a break and 
find new influences. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a few months now. Are you starting to miss painting or are you still enjoying the chill? Well, I'm, st- I'm starting to get a little bit twitchy. Yeah, I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I kind of looking and seeing um, my uh, kind of friend, artist friends and colleagues thinking, oh, they've been so productive. They've done some, so much work and it looks fantastic. Oh, I need to get, you know, I'm well, falling behind. Well, that's <laughs> another question. Do you feel, I mean, I think it's amazing that you're taking that time. And I think everybody listening to this should give themselves that kind of time and space sometimes. Um, but do you have any guilt, like not guilt, um, well, maybe yeah, guilt. guilt. Yeah, um, for not doing anything right now. Um, yes, I kind of. I always feel that if I'm not in the studio, then I'm really just messing about, not doing, not being serious. So yeah, I. It's very I, I know exactly. Yeah, I just finished my latest book, and yeah. I was working eight hours a day, and I had set up this little book nook up in our bedroom, so I could just be by myself and just work and I had you know I'd go up there in the morning I had my cozy sweater and my coffee and I would just write and write and write well anyway I handed it in a couple of weeks ago and there's kind of nothing to do until it needs to be edited until I get my edits back and so I've been doing nothing and at first I was like you know what I've earned this I'm gonna take this time to recharge creatively and blah 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 and now I feel really guilty (laughs) my son's going to school my husband's working and I'm like I think I'm going to watch some TV, I guess. I don't, you know. And so I have this weird need to constantly be productive. And it, it's this weird guilt. And it's just like, I got to chill out. I don't think, it, uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I, I totally relate to that. But I, you know, I think probably we need to tell ourselves that it's, you don't need to feel guilty because you know that you're hardworking and you know that you kind of do really good stuff. But, um, you know, it's just when there's downtime, you sort of start thinking, whistling and looking around. <laughs> well, and you know what I wonder if it's from is is from being a freelancer too, because when you're mm. freelancing and it's quiet, it means nobody's paying you, and yes. there's that panic that you're never going to get paid again. So you're constantly looking for the next gig, and then all of a sudden you're doing five things and you're so swamped and you're like, oh my god, and then that ends, and you feel panicked again, and so you have Be to kind of famine. yeah, and you kind of have to trust that. You know, I was just saying to a friend, oh, my God, I feel so guilty that I'm doing nothing. But then I was like, in a month from now, I'm going to be knee deep in 5,000 things. And I'll be like, why didn't I just take that time to, like, go for a walk, read a book, you know, (laughs) fool around, like, go to the thrift shop and look for weird stuff. Like, why don't I just embrace that? And so maybe this is a message from the universe talking to you. It's like, okay, Pippa's chilling out. I can do it, too. Yeah. Um, well, good for you. I can't wait to see what the next thing is. Yes, well, yeah. Does your, son still, get in there and do it. <laughs> does your son still live at home? No, no, he's uh, he lives, uh, ooh, I don't know, nearly 300 miles away now. So. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then also he's grown a beard now, so that's no good to me. Oh. He's no good to me anymore. <laughs> Unless you do flat white beards. Oh, boy, there you go. Oh, he might yeah. look like Father Christmas, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Um... Okay, so I want to do the not-so-speedy speed round. Okay. <laughs> do you know about this, not-so-speedy speed round? Uh, well, it's sort of vaguely. Yeah, but... it started out as a speed round, and then I always am like, oh, tell me more about that. So it's not fast at all. So we're just going to go and see how this goes. Okay, ready? Yeah. One. Is your studio super tidy or super messy? Uh, 
when I am busy with displacement activity, it's super tidy. When I'm working, it's super messy. <laughs> <laughs> does it drive you crazy when it's super messy or are you okay with that? Um, after a while, it does. Yes, because I can't find anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always wonder because graphic designers very often, because of having a clean desktop on the computer, sometimes really need that clean studio space. But yeah, I, yeah. My, mine gets like chaos and then, yeah, and then I'm stepping on wet paint and it's a mess. So I was just very curious because your work seems so controlled. I was like, I wonder what our studio looks like. <laughs> well, yeah, at the moment it's quite tidy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. Don't go in there. Leave it alone. Yep. Um, okay, cake or pie? And I don't mean you UK people with your savory pies. I mean like sweet pie. Oh, cake. Okay. <laughs> um Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. Oh. Oh, and, and tea, actually. <laughs> coffee in the morning, tea in the afternoon. Okay. <laughs> what would you have your cake with? Mm, both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> both, at both times, yeah. Um, okay, so that leads me to who, dead or alive, would you want to have cake and coffee with? Ooh. And you can take your time. I will cut out any awkward pauses. Oh my goodness. Can it, well, you know, kind of the first thing that came to my mind was Jane Austen, actually. Mm. I'd go, uh, but then that's not very arty. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so, um, Michael Borromans. Oh, I don't know who that is. He's um, a Belgian artist, and he, he featured largely in my dissertation. I love his work. Oh, okay. I will go and look him up. He's huge. <laughs> How do I not know? Okay. Well, I, will... I mean, I mean, huge in terms of in the art world. Yeah, not that's size. what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm like, how do I not know that name? Maybe I'll recognize his work. Um, I'll send you a link. Okay, thank you. Um, is he alive still or dead? Um, yes, yes. Oh, he's, alive. And he's great. He's, he, there's a picture on, uh, there's a film on um, YouTube uh, of him working in his studio and he paints in a suit and it just looks. <gasps> Great. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, he, it sounds like he would totally be up for coffee and cake. In a, in a fancy suit and have a nice little afternoon. That sounds great. Maybe I'll try and get an invite to that. Yep. Um, okay, and then my last one. Do you have crazy dreams or mundane dreams, or do you not really remember your dreams? Um, mostly... I don't remember my dreams, actually. Occasionally, I wake up and they are usually anxiety dreams about, oh, yeah. about um, I don't know, not working hard enough or something like that. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> I have lots of anxiety dreams, too, but I never know what they mean because they're so crazy and weird. It's usually like oh, really? trying to get to an airport or, you know, something and I can't get, and I'll wake up just soaking wet. Uh, yeah, yeah, in the middle of the night, and yeah. then it's just, and then you kind of lie awake, and the anxiety seems worse. But yeah, <laughs> but when you wake up in the morning and you tell someone, you're like, oh, that was dumb. What was that about? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I used to have. Well, I still have some crazy dreams, and my husband always teases me because I'm like, and then this alligator came in, and he's just like, because he when he dreams, if an alligator comes in, I guess it's kind of like lucid dreaming. He'll know that he'll be like, oh, hang on, this is a dream. Oh, really? In the middle of his dream. Isn't that crazy? Oh, no. It always seems, if I do wake up in the middle of one, it always seems really real. <laughs> Same. I know. 
I don't know why I'm asking this question. I just, this popped into my head as I was writing my list of not so speedy speed round. Sometimes I had a dream the other night that, um, it seemed like it was a dream that lasted the whole night that I was cleaning the kitchen. <laughs> and it never got clean? No, I just kept cleaning. Never. I kept finding corners of dirt and I did it all night. And then I woke up and I was like, well, that was a waste of a night. I just, <laughs> and then my kitchen was still messy in real life. I was like, ah, oh, come on. That's not, that's not how you want to spend a night. Anyway, um, okay, that's all my questions. Great. <laughs> Wasn't that so fast and easy? That was almost an hour. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> gosh, gosh, I, you know, I got, I, it was great. I had a good time. <laughs> I know, me too. That, I, and so now I was saying to Lisa on the last one, I have to somehow get myself to Cornwall. That's very far away from where I live. I'm on the west yeah, coast where, of Canada. In British Columbia? Yeah, yeah, I'm about... Where, where, well, I'm in the Okanagan Valley, which is about kind of right in the middle of the province. So I'm about five hours in from Vancouver. Okay. Right on the U.S. border. And then about, it's another sort of eight hours maybe till Alberta. So I'm kind of right in the middle of the bottom of the province. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. It's the um, wine region. And oh, so, really? Yeah. So outside of my window is, we're surrounded by grape vineyards. And then across yeah. the street is um, a peach orchard, cherry orchard, apple orchard, and then a view of our hundred mile long lake. Wow. I don't know how we got into that little segue, yeah. but um, I, oh, I know because I was saying Cornwall is so far away from here. Yeah. But oh, yes, um, yes, I was talking to Lisa about it and I was like, oh, I got to somehow get myself there because, and I think my son would love it. He's How old's a, your son? He's 11, but he's oh, very it. into, like, um, when he was little, he wanted to be a fisherman, and so he's very into, like, seaside towns, and, um, you know, for a while there, he wanted to live in Iceland, and, like, he loves oh, Newfoundland and Canada, like, all that, you know, that kind of seaside town, so I was looking at pictures of Cornwall, and I thought, oh, man, this kid, he'll totally come with me on this trip. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the, um, that, you know, I said earlier that I was building a house. We're building a house. This is the project that I'm concentrating on at the moment. Oh, and, yes, um, you're not it, doing nothing if you're building a house. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm not personally. Well, no, that. but still. There, <laughs> there are people who do that. <laughs> um, but if you, uh, when it's built, which is due this summer, um, you can come and stay. Oh um, my and if you look on Instagram on Sea Edge House, you can see pictures of it in progress. Okay. Oh my gosh, I totally will. That's exciting. This summer well, you'll be done. Um, yeah, I hope so. I'm desperate to move in. With we're renting a cottage at the moment, so it's all very. Um... Oh yeah. And houses always take so much longer than you think they will. Yeah. Um, I think I can gather everything I need from your site and from all these places, okay. but if not. Um, I will give you a shout and, and uh, gather up all of this so I can put a great big beautiful post together on my site so everyone can see what we were talking about. Fantastic. Thank Yay. you very much for talking to me. Oh, it was so much fun. And um, yeah, like I said, I can't wait to have an excuse to put another post together. So, um, And we will be in touch because it is now my goal to get myself there. So at some point, um, I'll be knocking on your brand new door. Brilliant. <laughs> okay. I look forward to it. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. You see, this is exactly why I have a podcast. A graphic designer, a mature student, mother of two, I didn't know any of those things before today. Thank you so much to Pippa for this lovely, inspiring, insightful, fun chat. She thinks I'm kidding, but I really might show up at that brand new door of hers. Thank you to Sachi Art and Create Magazine for supporting this episode, and big thanks to you for listening. Mm-hmm.
There will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then.